we go towards uh, some of the more technology-oriented areas right now, major technological advances. So these are just kind of opinions here on this one. Tim Trammell, uh, making an inside joke about our bowling league, says, Doug will be nice. And when he gave me his ballot, I said, so you're predicting major advances in electroshock therapy in the next four years, if that guy is going to be nice. So that's what that must be, clearly. But uh, Dave Adams says, uh, microchip implants in humans. Ron Glasnap says, uh, 1 GB wireless service everywhere. Uh, the pick for Steve Cervello, advancements in face and voice recognition for payment transactions. Uh, John Adams says, package tracking, maybe a chip in each package, and personal helicopters to some degree. And uh, that one there sort of goes to my thing. I am stubborn. I am not going to quit letting go of this until science finally gets off its ass and delivers it to me. My pick is jetpacks. I want my damn jetpacks. Science, you owe it to me. You're overdue. I'd like to see them in the next four years, so I'm going to homer for that one. Uh, Chris, I'm sure you're probably going to go much more practical than I just did. Well, I want you to know that I, I do appreciate your, your, your hard grit on jetpacks. <laughs> standpoint and where we are in the world in terms of uh, snowflake dumb and everything in terms about livelihood and safety, they're just not going to be practical and they're not going to happen. So I, I appreciate the fact that you want your personal jetpack it's just it isn't going to happen. Uh, okay. So uh, I'm going to look at the direction of this. Okay. Yeah. 
standpoint, it's going to allow an entire opening up of things beyond computer games, you know, people living almost like a second life um, in this uh, mirror world. Um, and then lastly, what will emanate from that, and I'll get into this at the end when we get into the jobs component, um, it's going to create an entire secondary economy. Well, I'll tell you what, this is something where I remember you talking about this and you had an article about it on Facebook some time ago. So I'm somewhat familiar with this concept from seeing this and you had a little thread about it and whatever. I will say though, aside from that, I mean, if I was just hearing this for the first time, I think it would probably hit me the same way the 3D printing thing did eight years ago on this day uh, when I learned of it, because that is a pretty far out concept. Uh, Nate, as the person who was on the phone with me uh, going over it with, the, with learning about 3D printing eight years ago, do you, do you concur that that is as mind-blowing a field as 3D printing seemed eight years ago? Absolutely, but I could absolutely see where, you know, Chris is coming from, and I, this could happen. <laughs> hadn't thought about it, but it absolutely could happen. Yeah, and it's already, uh, you know, making its way through there, so uh, it's uh, <laughs> on any of these ones here, Nate. Maybe I should go to you first, because Chris is always a tough act to follow on a few touristic things. I must have... I, I, I got a deferral on this one. I'm like, Chris, we might kind of combine with your very last question, so I'm just going to save it for the Okay, all right, we'll save it for the end then. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead then to the, uh, the the category that Chris referenced. We'll take these ones together. And this is a thing of what jobs, if any, will be created out of artificial intelligence. We keep hearing about jobs being lost, and it's happening already in a lot of ways in terms of things that can be done uh, basically by computers. But uh, what jobs, if any, will be created on the other end and this really led to a nice uh, kind of variety of answers that we got from people. Uh, Dave Adams says a robot mechanic, robot pets, and house servant rental. And uh, in parentheses, he says CI robot movie. Uh, Ron Glasnap says uh, train and subway drivers. So he must apparently feel that, that there will be some kind of thing there where uh, even if there is automation, that there will be people needed to help service that automation there. Uh, Steve Cervillo says, no specific titles, but they will be in areas of cybersecurity, data collection, customer service, health and wellness, and health care. John Adams says, bionic technician, uh, and, and, that, uh, and basically for upgrades for uh, bionic technicians, that that will be a, a crucial thing there. And me, again, I don't really have a lot of imagination in this area. I'm the first to admit it. So I'm going to say maintenance in the short term. These robots that are coming... They're going to need to be serviced until such time as we have other robots that can service them. So I'll say that, and I'm sort of more of a dystopian about the future anyways, so I'm not necessarily somebody that you would expect to think of in terms of these type of jobs. But, Chris, you're basically saying then that uh, to tie it to the previous thing here, that the mirror world, again, when you're talking about an additional economy, that's a thing where obviously you're, you're figuring that AI is going to be a part of this thing with it, and, it, and it'll kind of tie in in that way? Um, that's correct, and I, and I would just uh, really quick comment on the, on the sort of the robot maintenance and all the rest of that. Um, I, I do think there will be a lot of jobs in those types of maintaining AI and robotics, um, but I don't think you're going to see that in the next four years. And I and I would say also um, that what I'm about to you know, talk when I talk about the theater world and the jobs that derive from that, I I, I would also say that I don't. Years, we will see a uh, you know a large volume of jobs 
thing is I think I saw this before because I watched Ready Player One also so I think I'm basically somewhat familiar with this <laughs> okay well I never saw that but okay yeah. well no that no I, I, I'm making light of it obviously but yeah this is a hell of a prediction and I respect this this is uh, this is now, way out there but the start of it the start of it Yes, yes. Uh, Chris, that's that's the proviso on everything. And and uh, listen, there won't be anybody left to listen to this thing in four years to know that we were wrong if that was the case. So we can be, we can that's say this correct. with some degree of safety on this either way. Uh, so uh, Nate, on this one of AI created jobs, the start of any of that in the next four years. Have you got any ideas? I admit they haven't kind of struggled on this myself. 
Well, Ricky, first of all, I'll jump to that in a second. But four years ago when we did this show, Bitcoin wasn't something that really existed. It was trading for what, like $400, $300? Something like that. Think about that. Bitcoin in four years went from didn't exist to, as you you know what they do in Washington State in the Columbia River Basin, there's literally like thousands and thousands of people that just, all they run is Bitcoin operations. They just run empty server rooms and stuff like that. Crazy. So what I'm just saying about the real world, man, that can all come to play. Who knows? What I think, though, Rick, if you look at what McDonald's has done in the last few years, they basically have put three to five automated ordering systems in every single McDonald's in the United States. They've got a goal to rebuild every McDonald's and automate the ordering. So what they're doing is they're wiping off about a third of their labor force, if not half, because you, you can still have to make the food, but now you don't have to order it. So clearly one job, and I'll tell you this, when I went into a McDonald's lately, the ordering system was down. So there's people have touched on that a number of times in the discussion already here. The people that have to service things like the automated ordering system for McDonald's, that's definitely a huge growth potential here in the next four years because of the way you know, we talk about efficiencies, you're talking about eliminating skillless job sets. Well, somebody with skill has to come in and be able to fix the things that replace the skillless workers, and that's the job, the growth job, in my opinion. Even McDonald's itself, think about how many McDonald's locations are across this country. There's job opportunity right there because you're replacing the workforce with computers. You walk into McDonald's, you order it off a screen, now you don't talk to somebody. That's right. That's, about what, that's what they're trying to do. And there's another chain, I think it might be Olive Garden. I think I had a friend of mine tell me that it's moving to there, and other restaurants are going to be doing this as well. So, yeah, it's already moving uh, towards that. Let's keep this somewhat connected here as far as the categories go. I'm going to try and make a logical segue. I'm going to go next to whether or not there will be widespread driverless cars in the next four years. One of the interesting things about doing this, by the way, is that, and you would expect this, we started doing this in 2012, and living in the day and age that we're living in, we have new categories every time in. As technology continues to evolve, there are new things to continue to predict that we wouldn't even be predicting. Like four years ago, I don't think anybody thought driverless cars were imminent. Today, there's a lot of hype about it. So will driverless cars be relatively widespread in the next four years? Dave Adams says yes. Uh, John Adams says yes, but they will be working out flaws. Steve Cervillo says yes. I say yes. Ron Glasnap says no. It will not be that widespread. Uh, Chris, which way are you going on this? I could see you kind of going either way on this one. Um, when you talk about, when you use the word widespread. Relatively. Uh, we're, you know, we're, of course, not talking about Senator Larry Craig. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're talking about uh, commonly seen owned shoes. I'm going to go to the top. Um, I think in the next four years, that's too tight a window to expect widespread. So um, I believe you will continue to see growth in it. I believe you will start to see more of it in terms of delivery options, um, bringing in food, and I mean that more towards the tail end of this four years. Um, you may see some more of that in very dense, slow-moving traffic areas for things like Uber and Lyft, for sure. I think a lot of Americans are slow to give up their self-driving privileges. Um, I don't think the grid that would be, the technology grid that would be required uh, to seamlessly run a large volume of autonomous vehicles together is yet in place or will be in place. So I still think it's going to be more of a 10% novelty versus uh, 
that's going to be a different story. But in the next four years, well, and I'll tell you what, as far as where you started on that, great minds think alike. Just last week, I, I was out doing a little bit of open bowling with fellow FDH lounge dignitary Tom Denk. I hadn't bowled with him in a number of years, and I'd forgotten that he stands with his feet kind of apart, which is a weird kind of stance there. So I, too, made the Larry Craig wide stance joke at him when I noticed his style there. So great minds think alike when it regards to uh, Larry Craig widespread wide stance jokes. Uh, Nate, uh, <laughs> uh, all right, Rick, I got, I got a question for you. If yes. you win the lottery tomorrow, yeah. and you offer to give your father a car with driverless car capabilities, would he take the car from you? Would he use the capabilities if he had it? Would your dad well, use the Special special circumstances because he would say yes, but that's just because he recently had cataract surgery. He may need more. He's worried about his eyes going downhill. So for him, that would be an insurance policy, Nate. But all things being equal, I don't think he would have said yes. Right, and that's my thought. I you surprised me on that answer, but I wouldn't think that people over the age of say X thirty or whatever are going to have any level of comfort with driverless cars in the next few years. It's way too new of a technology. And people who are over a certain age, they're not early adapters of technology like that. It scares them. So there's no way, shape, or form it's going to be that widespread in the next four years. Give it going a little bit. Let the millennials get into it. Whatever. Maybe eventually they penetrate the older generation. People are plus. They're not looking for driverless cars. Right? Yeah. I think that scares people. Well, My answer is no. Okay. So in terms of uh, adopting uh, technology, this is one that we had on there uh, four years ago. A percentage of Internet-connected TVs in the U.S., up from 77% presently. So I asked everyone to, to uh, make a uh, judgment on what it was going to come to, because four years ago it was 56%. I ended up being pretty close to the mark. I said 84. The one who was closest to the mark was Ron Glasnap, who said 72, because it ended up being 77%. So it went from 56 to 77, and my guess is, me personally, that's the big jump that we're going to see, and it's going to get more incremental from here, just because you, you, you can't do the math. You can't keep making 21% jumps every four years from there. But uh, nevertheless, uh, Tim Trammell says 97%. Dave Adams says 92%. Ron Glasnap, the winner on this one last time, he says 85%. Steve Cervillo says 85%. John Adams says 89%. I say 86%. So a lot of these ones here are in that sort of conservative middle ground. What's your best guess, Chris? 88. 88. Okay. All right. So another one that ends up being right about in there. Uh, Nate, do you continue to see it uh, being kind of a leisurely jump up, or, or do you think it might go right. more or less? Well, here's the problem with anybody that predicted into the 90s. you got to realize rural America simply does not have the ability right now. It's not the infrastructure. It's not the technology. It's places like Adams County, Ohio. You can't get a cell phone call at. Where I'm at, I live in a county that's 4,800 square miles, and about 2,400 of that square miles doesn't have cell service. So I'd be more than 85. Ron and I had the same answer again. I think there's a certain point where you just can't get penetration because the infrastructure's not there and it will never be there, maybe not for another 20 years. Totally agree. And one of these things here, one of the primary things that a lot of people are going to use a web-connected TV for is a streaming service. I knew this one was going to be splintered. This was... This was maybe the one I was looking forward to the most in terms of answers. Streaming service with the most customers four years from now. Tim Trammell says Google. I'm going to put them down for YouTube Red because that's the streaming service that they have. Similarly, Ron Glasnap says Walmart. 
I'm going to put them down for Voodoo because that's the one they have now. Now, Voodoo is not one of the ones really on the radar as far as being one of the big boys, so we'll have to see how that pans out. Uh, Dave Adams says Disney Plus. That seems like a strong guess to me. I was surprised that the only one we got two votes for were Netflix, Steve Cervello and John Adams, because to me they're already kind of circling downward a little bit as they're losing their library uh, content to other places. I'm saying HBO Max, even though it hasn't uh, even launched yet. Uh, I, I think that one is going to be a monster uh, with all of the stuff that they are bringing to bear. They're even putting together a uh, something of a Friends reunion on there to go along with having the Friends catalog. So I'm going with one of the new ones here, HBO Max. Uh, Chris, how do you see it shaking out? I'm going with Disney Plus because of the kids. Okay. Um, you know, the reality is, is that the kids and the Star Wars franchise, it's just that's where I think you're going to find, um, you know, that's where you're going to find the most. And plus, Disney has a way when they start incorporating more and more with, like, ESPN uh, and their other properties that they own and whatever else they acquire with their cash advantage. Um, I think Disney Plus will, will grow to absorb, will, will grow to incorporate a lot of other things. You know, it'll start to incorporate, you know, all the ESPN streamings and everything else um, along with their entire catalog. But, man, it's like movies. You know, if there's a Disney movie that's coming out, you know, it's just, it's choking. As a kid, it's instant bank, right? Right. So I think that it's, the streaming is going to be the same way. As they add to it and, and the number of titles and things that they've got, and having that advantage of kids, I think it will be Disney+. Plus. Well, and as you know, uh, they're already doing something along the lines of what you're talking about in terms of the bundling with Hulu and ESPN Plus. So that is something, the power of those three together in a discount, yes, Disney has the muscle that almost nobody else has as far as being able to promote their streaming service in that way. So that's a strong well, don't effort. put it past them to buy somebody. Yeah. Don't put it past them to go and buy it. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or, or to outright buy them. Well, you yeah. Know, they, you know, those are the types of things that I would also look for them to do, and that, that would certainly put them at number one pretty well, Hulu at this point, of course, it started as one of these mishmashes, but I think uh, with the uh, the whole buyout of the Fox Entertainment properties, I think they now own all the parts of Hulu. All the ownership shares, I think, are under their banner. So that's how they're able to do that. And yeah, that's listen, Hulu is one I'm surprised nobody's voted for yet because I think they're going to be in a stronger position than, say, Netflix for four years from now, if for no other reason than having Disney behind them. I mean, Hulu might have been my second pick behind HBO Max. So, uh, Nate, what's your uh, thoughts on how this is going to shake out? I knew there was going to be opinions well, all over the place. Yeah, I agree completely with Chris for a lot of the same reasons he said. It's Disney, man. It's ABC. It's Disney. It's John D. Rockefeller mentality, man. They're cutthroat, and they're big. They got all the power. They're going to squash all the little guys in the next four years. We'll see this stuff surviving in four years from now. But if Disney decides that they want to slide a few of their NFL games over to Disney Plus off of their ESPN, then they can do it. They've got all this power with their size and with all the things they control and all the contracts in place with all the major sports and major college sports. They have all the power. I mean, they have the ability to just squash the competition at this point in time. And they're not a, they're not a, you ever go to Disney, Rick? You know, you ever pay 14 bucks for a Coke? They don't care about price gouging. They don't care about fair competition. They don't care about anything like that. They've got a mentality, like I said, 
they're going to be able to accomplish it. Watch out, Disney's coming. That's my take on it. Well, yeah, I, I would agree with all of what you said there. Yeah, they're, they're going to be very, very strong in that arena. We're going to stay on streaming with our penultimate category here, major sports going to exclusively streaming in the next four years, yes or no. Uh, Dave Adams said no, there won't be any major sports properties that are ju just going to be on streaming. Again, major being the key word here. Steve Servillo says no, I say no. Ron Glasnap says yes, that he thinks MLS and NHL will both be exclusive to ESPN+. That would be pretty big if that happened, if, they, if there was any kind of dominoes whatsoever. John Adams uh, makes a very interesting prediction that there will be NFL custom fantasy streaming, that uh, the NFL will basically, at the very least, move all of their fantasy content to a new streaming service where you can customize it and watch all of your guys and, and be updated on them at any given point in time. So that's his prediction on that. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Chris, on whether any major sports uh, franchises are going to make the leap here? There had been a sense at some point, I think further back, that, oh, by the 2020s, the NFL might just be on YouTube or this or that or whatever. Like, we were thinking this, a lot of people were five or eight years ago, but now that these years are upon us, a lot of people like me are saying, eh, I don't think we're quite there yet. Well, I think like driving those cars, There's no major sport that's going to make the exclusive jump to streaming yeah. in the next four years. It's it's just too big a leap. And actually, it would probably, at least initially, if it happened in the next four years, it would signify a real retreat um, for that need. Uh, you know, so if I was going to pick one, you know, in this country, uh, you know, the majors, I'd probably go with hockey, but that's not going to happen. I don't see it either. They would be that they would be and again, I think the word exclusively is the sort of the problem in that question. Now, if you, if you say, do it said predominantly, mm -hmm. or, you know, word it in a way to suggest that they would have a very robust, individually tailorable streaming packages, um, I might have been more inclined to, to look at that differently. Um, and, and I think in the end, that's kind of the future of some of these streaming for major sports the next phase, which is, hey, Rick, do you want to buy NFL streaming? We'll give you all your, you know, you give us your three teams you want to watch, and we'll stream you those. You yeah. Know, like, build a package. And, and, and you can stream and watch any game in any market, and, you know, that wherever the Browns are, you know, you can stream it and watch it wherever you are and whatever you want. And, oh, the Dolphins, the Browns, okay, those are your, there you go. Um, so you don't have to buy the whole direct the problem with that stuff is like Sunday ticket and all that is a little cash now. So I'm not ready to pick up that and to go to something individualized like that. So I'm going to say no. Right. And that's where, and uh, as you know, when we did our look back at the 2010s and look ahead to the 2020s earlier in the year, I mentioned this that, again, I am like a lot of people where. The future hasn't moved as as uh, fast as I thought it would in this arena because if you would have said to me ten years ago, "Well, we have by the 2020s, you know, Netflix carrying the NFL, somebody else carrying this or that or whatever," I would have said yes. But I underestimated the power of local affiliates. Local affiliates across the country keep the networks propped up, and that's the infrastructure that I think I just wasn't taking into enough consideration. So. Uh, the future has moved certainly slower than I thought it would in this arena in that the networks are still a thing in the 2020s 
and I didn't take that for granted 10 years ago. So in terms of the prism of looking at this, Nate, where do you come down on whether anybody's going to go to this exclusively or not? Yeah, I, I, yeah. there's no way any, any major sports are going to go exclusively streaming if they did, they wouldn't be a major sport anymore, in my opinion. I think the, the growth opportunity is where we've touched on a little bit. I think the DraftKings and the uh, FanDuel's and how much that market has grown, you know, you tap into where maybe you get some customized training of individual athletes as they perform in their events. I think as they're starting to grow partnerships between major leagues and these sites like that, that they'll be able to develop that kind of custom content. But right now it's not there. It might be there in four years, but that's not exclusive and it never will be. I can't imagine where the major media doesn't play a part in sports like football, the NBA, and baseball at any time in our near future. So. I would still say never say never because you don't know what the shape of these things is going to be as technology evolves. But, yeah, in the next four years, certainly, I agree with you. The, the, the last category that we have here is the question of, and, again, this is a, a value judgment question. There's no definitive right or wrong, although I guess I, if – if, if the dollar value of the NFL uh, plummets in the next four years or goes up, I guess there would be an answer either way. But generally speaking, will the NFL be in decline in the next four years with all of the challenges that it has? It, it is the colossus atop American sports. But from all of the challenges with the CTE thing, the, the helmet manufacturers uh, you know, still having to deal with the ongoing threat of lawsuits, the fact that there is one insurer who is hanging by a thread right now as far as ensuring the NFL for catastrophic uh, issues with the lawsuits going forward. The NFL, uh, th there's a lot that's right below the surface that is really threatening them even as they continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Will they be in decline in the next four years, by the end of the next four years, yes or no? Interestingly, the first three votes that came in, Dave Adams, Ron Glasnap, Steve Servillo, both were no. All of those were no. The next ones that came in, John Adams and myself, we both said yes. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see what shakes out as the majority vote here, uh, Chris. You you have the uh, you you can make it a majority no with your vote here, or you can make the, uh, the deciding vote going to uh, Nate. Uh, the answer is going to be no. Okay. Um, you're, 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 you more about labor, you know, will they be on strike in 21, um, you know, what's, how, you know, is that possible if they don't sign the CBA, uh, you know, what's that do to the health of the game, that's, to me, the short term, a bigger risk than uh, the issues that you reference. but I, I would go with you, you know, I think the NFL will still be on the rise, I do agree with you, long term, there are some Well, and I, I think that there are, I mean, I'll go, so you, you might not go as far as me on this, but, but and that's frequently the case. When I say existential threats to the league in the long term, I don't think there's any existential threats in the next four years, but I think a lot of these things uh, can be major, major, major guns to the head uh, in, in the medium to long term for the league. Uh, but that's just how I see it. Uh, Nate, the next four years, what's the picture you see, uh, up or down? Your insurance carrier is absolutely catastrophic to the NFL, but this is the National Football League we're talking about. This is the biggest sport to be on the planet Earth. There's no chance it's going anywhere. It's just going to keep on going. I mean, once you get this big, there ain't no going down. They'll create their own insurance company if they have to. I don't know what the billion-dollar number is beside the revenue at this. 
Yeah, I see. I mean, I agree with Chris. There's a potential for some work disruption in this new CBA agreement, but the players aren't stupid. They're talking what to go for 45 to 48% revenue share, something like that. They're going to go for it. It's a lot more money. It's all about money and everything's about money. We all know that. And there's no question the NFL is too big to fail. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to see decline in the next four years. Long term it might, but not in the next four years. You've got to say no. Once you get this big, there's no going down. Sincerely, the dinosaurs. Sincerely, the horse and buggy. I mean, never say never, Nate. Right, right. The steam engine says hi. Yeah. Well, so we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out uh, here. I hope you guys are right. I don't look forward to seeing uh, football go down. Uh, you know, a gun to my head, it would be the one sport that I would not want taken away from me as much as I love uh, all sports across the board here, or, or, or most of I'm not a big soccer guy, but outside of soccer. But, uh, you know, it, I, I don't... Real quick, i got to interject. Whoever called MLS a major sport, i got to disagree with that. Come on now. MLS a major sport. Well... Well, yes, exactly. Yeah, La Liga, English Premier League. If you're talking those ones, yeah, MLS is a feeder to it at best. Uh, that that's that's American uh, provincialism there, thinking it's major league because it's in our country. So uh, before we uh, wrap this thing up here, let's just see if there's any other uh, additional notes. Chris, you've already had a couple of mind blowing thoughts about the future. Anything else to add to the pile? Yeah, <laughs> nothing else to add. Okay. All right. Well, uh, everything uh, thus far uh, from you guys uh, has been uh, superlative here, and I greatly appreciate it. Nate, uh, additional thoughts, predictions on uh, the next four years? We will not be a socialist nation four years from now, Rick. Put it down. <laughs> we will not be a socialist nation. Well, from your lips to God's ears, but it's a long ways till November, so <laughs> we, we got to get through 2020 first before we start talking about 2024. And uh, if you get a black swan event like the coronavirus, uh, all bets are off, potentially. So that was what we said at the beginning. This is the, again, all things are being equal edition of this thing. Hopefully four years from now, we can look to the future with a little bit more certainty than we can this time. But as Chris said, uh, that's basically half the fun of this anyways, is just making our predictions and seeing what comes true and what doesn't. Uh, I cannot thank both of you guys enough, uh, Chris Galloway and Nate Noy, two of the originals, the guys who are here in the lounge on day one, January 14th, 2007, along with me, and then uh, subsequently uh, becoming, in case of Chris Galloway, the chief futurist, Nate Noy, the uh, director of research for the lounge. Thank you to both of you guys, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge mini-episode 1200.